Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 56 of the Building Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Theo Lim, and this is just the intro to the episode, something new I'm trying, so I'm going to record the episode and then I will record the intro after. So on this episode, there's probably going to be two intros because I only thought of it after doing the episode. So, we got episode 56. We got a great topic. One of my online clients asked me, she asked me about her training program and why and whether she should be sore or dying after every session. Like, how sore should be should she be? Her question was, should I be sore from my training? And how do I know if I'm making progress if I'm not sore? And I thought this was a great question, and I wanted to answer it in depth, so I recorded this episode for you guys. Um, this was a great question that opened up the conversation around whether soreness is the goal when we're training, or like, what is the what's the actual goal when we're training? And then this kind of opened up conversation on how our CNS, our central nervous system, plays a role in our performance and our recovery. And it also gave me a chance to introduce the principle of progressive overload and this and why progressive overload is what we should be focusing on when it comes to our training. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Without further ado, here's my boy, Theo Lim. Yeah, that's me. I just introed myself. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 56 of the Building Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Theo Lim, coming at you on this beautiful Monday morning. It is just before 10 a.m., 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. Quick recap, because I like to give you guys some context of what's going down, where I'm at. So Monday morning, we just finished the, I ran the 6.30 a.m. session at my Detox Performance. We do 6.30 to 7.30. Then I set up for the 12 p.m. class. Then I plan out the day. Right now, I'm, I've just grabbed a coffee and I'm in my car recording this podcast. Don't worry, I'm not driving, so I hope the acoustics are pretty good for this episode. I've got a lot of good feedback. Some people like it while I'm while I'm recording the podcast while I'm driving. Some people don't. And I'm really going to try my best to not record while I'm driving anymore. Main reason being I want the quality, the sound quality to be I want it to be quality episodes. So, let's cut to it. I got some really great questions over the weekend from one of my online clients. Shoutouts to Lindsay, you jacked meathead. Great questions. And she asked me uh, multiple questions and I wanted to dive deep into it. And I thought the best way to do it would be to record a podcast because I know she listens to podcasts as well. So, and I also figured, um, 
some of you guys probably have the same questions. So, I started to train Lindsay online four or five weeks ago, maybe six weeks at this point, and I think it's been an interesting learning curve, both myself and for her. So, the main question was... The main question was, I feel like I'm not tiring my muscles out enough with our training. I'm getting a pump, but I'm not sure if it's enough. I feel like I should be dying by the end or sore the next day. I think I'm under the impression that if I'm not sore, I'm not progressing. So we, we had a little back and forth there because I was uh, we were chatting through Instagram. Um, just direct messaging each other and I was kind of asking like trying to clarify what she was asking um, like do you, do you feel tired the next day do you feel sore um, what do you what do you mean I was just trying to figure out what what she meant um, so I brought the conversation around to do you have you heard the term uh, progressive overload? Because I'm sure if you've been around the if you've been around the gym long enough, or if you do your own research, that you might have you might come across this term progressive overload. So this is what I want to dive deep into today. Progressive overload and whether soreness whether you should be sore after your workouts, whether you should feel like you're dying, like what, what are we really looking for? What's the goal here with our training, right? Just going to sip some coffee here. Okay. So her question was, I'm not sure if I'm doing I'm not sure if I'm doing enough like I don't feel like I'm dying at the end I don't feel like I'm sore the next day like how do I know I'm progressing and that's a great question like as a coach it because I've been around this for so long it seems like a very um, very obvious answer like how do you know you're progressing but clearly it's not and it, it made me think that okay other people are probably wondering this as well which is why I'm recording this episode okay so first things first soreness is never really the goal when I'm thinking about my training for myself or for my clients or if I'm running a class at my detox I'm not like I'm not setting that setting up the class and thinking to my in my head like okay what's gonna make them super sore like What's going to fuck them up really bad and make them sore the next day and they're going to be like hobbling around for the next three days. That's never really the goal. It sometimes happens. And again, as I've said in previous episodes, I'm not the most scientific guy. I'm not like, that's not my strong point. I'm not going to cite a peer-reviewed article, but through my experience and through um, 
acquiring knowledge from other trainers, other experts who are more scientific, um, who are more scientifically sound than I am. There have been studies that show that soreness does not necessarily lead to more hypertrophy or strength gains. Like there's actually no correlation. Again, I personally cannot cite the reference, but if you do your own research as well, I'm sure that you will come across these findings. So soreness is never really the goal. It's not, it just happens. And I'll tell you in my experience when you get sore. Soreness usually happens if you're doing a new exercise. Say you haven't done bicep curls in like eight months. Yeah, if you do a good amount of bicep curls, your biceps are going to probably be really sore. Same thing with any other exercises or any new variations that you may not have done in the la in say four to eight weeks or more. So soreness usually happens when you're doing a new exercise or a new variation, or it happens if you've been out of the gym for a while. So there are some people who maybe they're they don't have a super consistent gym, uh, a training program, or they're just not consistent going to the gym. So say you go to the gym once a week. Yeah, you're probably going to be sore every time you go. Just because your body's not used to it. Um, you're going to be sore. You're going to let your body recover for the next four, five, six days. But because you didn't do anything between when you go to work out again, you'll probably be sore again. So I, in my experience, that's when that's when soreness happens. DOMS, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness. So whether it's a new exercise or whether it's because you haven't been to the gym in a while. Or if like if it's a whole new, completely new activity. Like today, my calves are sore. Not because I worked out my calves or anything, but because I've been training Muay Thai. But again, my frequency is not that high. I train once or twice a week, max. So every time we're doing a lot of kicks, my calves just get lit up because I'm not used to it. Um, I haven't built up that tolerance and my body hasn't... Um, just hasn't adapted yet right so again soreness is never is not necessarily the goal that's kind of a shitty goal to have like if the saying always goes like anyone can make you sore but not everyone can make you better but again soreness is nice though this is not to discount the fact that does not to discount the fact that like soreness is nice feeling sore not to the point that you're debilitated but feeling a little tenderness in like the muscle that you just worked yeah that's nice um and i think actually this is one thing i was thinking of as you get more experienced in the gym as you as your training age increases i really do believe that you just don't get as sore as you used to versus your first like six months to one year like after that two-year period after that five-year period like I'm personally never really like too too sore 
And I find that with more experienced lifters, I found that instead of the soreness that beginners might feel, I think it's just a level, a certain level of fatigue that you end up feeling. Um, whether it's fatigue in the actual muscles or whether it's fatigue in the nervous system. So let me explain. If you do a shit ton of bicep curls, yes, your biceps are probably going to be sore and it's going to feel tired, maybe useless, like you couldn't you couldn't possibly do another set of curls because they're, you're that sore. So that's like the muscular, um, that's the muscular soreness or fatigue. But there's also another kind of fatigue that I think everyone should be aware of, whether you, whether you lift weights, whether you run whether you whatever activity you do because it plays a factor in everything we do this is the central nervous system otherwise known as the cns so the central nervous system is kind of like our our battery pack it's like it's like our whole how shall i say it's like the whole battle station it determines how much energy you have how 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 recovered you are etc etc so the central nervous system is like it this is something you really need to be aware of whether you're lifting weights whether you're running marathons whether you're training for a triathlon the central nervous system it determines how basically how fatigued you are or how or maybe what level of your fitness is so maybe if I go at it like this Let's look at fitness and let's look at fatigue. So if your fatigue is really high, your fitness is usually is going to be lower. There's a it's like a continuum. It's like a scale. So you have fitness on one side, you have fatigue on the other. So in a real world experience, okay, I just had the weekend. I had Saturday, Sunday off of training. So when I come in on Monday, my fitness is really high and my fatigue is really low because I just had two solid days of rest, right? And through whatever activities you do, and it's not even just about what you do in the gym, your central nervous system is affected by what's going on outside of the gym as well. How are your stress levels at work? How much, how much work do you have on your plate? Uh, maybe there's something going on in your family that is causing stress as well. So outside events play a role, as well as your quality of sleep and quality of your nutrition. If I didn't sleep very well, if I went out to party on Friday, Saturday, just raved super hard, um, and I come in on Monday, maybe my fatigue is really high and my fitness is very low, right? So those are a couple examples of what will affect your fitness fatigue levels and then how this kind of how this plays a role in your central nervous system and then how this plays a role in your performance in the gym and then at ultimately how this will affect your progress right so bear with me that's why i'm taking my time to go through all of this because i think there's a lot to it uh, there's a lot to it and it's not something we generally talk about a lot it's easy to talk about like your squat technique and how many reps you should do and all this but I think this kind of base 
good background knowledge is very important so that you can just um, you can just refer to these things forever basically like this is just really sound principles that I think everyone should know so let's go back to it Monday you come in your fitness is really high you feel really good your fatigue is very low but you also have to be aware you have to be aware of are you gonna train Monday through Saturday every single day or are you training just Monday Wednesday and Friday because that the frequency of your training will determine how intense you can train and how much work you can do so Lindsay for your example we're set we've set up a five-day training program so this is why I'm always careful of how much work to give someone of course some people are just some people can do more work they've adapted to a higher volume of work and that's great some people not so much I think Lindsay you're on the higher end so we have to look at okay you're training five days that means if you go super fucking ham on Monday your your fatigue is gonna raise a little bit right and your fitness level is gonna come down a little bit I hope the fatigue fitness makes sense it's like if you're super tired you just can't perform as well as you usually do right if you're well rested so say you go super fucking ham on Monday okay it's fine it's only Tuesday and the next day like you you've dug a little bit of a hole uh, a fatigue hole right and then on Tuesday you go in and you train super fucking ham again which is fine you just have to be aware of your whole week okay and then by Wednesday you start to feel that fatigue catching up to you uh, your performance starts to drop a little bit your fatigue is constantly rising and then of course it really depends on how well you're fueling yourself through your nutrition how well you're allowing your body to recover through rest or active rest um, stretching mobility work foam rolling uh, yoga sauna all that kind of stuff right so lots of factors in play which is why I'm which is why I I feel like there's a lot I'm saying a lot but I really do think there's just always a lot of factors going on surrounding all of this so where was I in terms of fitness fatigue in terms of the weekly overview you just have to be aware of how much you're doing like and again all this is gonna depend on your goals like are you trying to lift heavier are you trying to build your muscle are you trying to lose fat are you just trying to be strong and healthy in general because that is going to play a factor on what you're doing right so I just wanted to go through that because that's the um, the central nervous system and why I was mentioning that is because say Friday comes around and you've done a shit ton of work Monday through Thursday and on top of that, you've um, you've got a lot going on at work. So you just got a promotion. So you have to take on a new role, more responsibilities, and you have to learn a lot, right? By then, that Friday workout might be affected. Like you just your fatigue just might be too high, your fitness very low. So just be aware of 
that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about um, the central nervous system and how fatigued you are. And some activities require more, like require more energy, while some don't. So for example, a barbell back squat, like 10 sets of five, that's going to be, that's going to take a toll on your CNS compared to a 20 meter, sorry, 20 meters, a 20 minute jog on the treadmill. You see how those two activities, because the squat requires more mental effort, probably requires more um, effort from the body, that will cause more stress on the CNS versus maybe a 20 minute jog will actually help you feel better. So you just have to be aware of those things, Um, which is why always be aware when you're, when I'm setting up the training program for you guys, there are, when I take your goals into account, when I take what you want into account, then there on my end, there's really three things that I'm looking at. Okay, how frequent does this person want to train? Does this person want to train or can, how frequent can they train? If this person can train twice a week, okay, that's fine. But I'm going to have to make sure because their frequency is low, that their intensity and their volume, how much work they're doing, needs to be fairly high. Because when you're when you're thinking about your training program, and again, this applies to running, sports, anything. You have to take into account three things. There's the frequency. I've talked about this before. Frequency is how often you're doing a certain activity. Volume is how much of that activity you're doing. And intensity is how hard you're going. So, you can't possibly go at all three all at the same time for a long period of time. I think most people can get away with it for like three to four weeks max. Say you're going seven days a week, you're going ham, you're lifting heavy, you're doing a shit ton of work, your fatigue starts to accumulate. It takes a while, but it will accumulate. And your fitness, your ability to perform, your ability to recover will slowly decrease as your fatigue raises up. So I'm always taking into account those three factors. I'm taking into account how how well a, a, a certain person is eating, how well a certain person is sleeping, how much do they have going on in their life. Like, are they a student who lives at home? Maybe they don't have as many bills or as many, just as, as much shit to worry about versus maybe someone who's behind on their bills, they're working 70 hours a week, etc., etc. So just always lots of factors on my end to take into account. So let me move on to what I was saying that we were actually going to talk about. I got kind of carried away, but I hope you guys got like a lot out of that part about soreness, about fatigue, whether it's muscular fatigue or systematic fatigue, um, what kind of factors might affect those. And again, why I'm talking about it is, is because 
those factors will affect your ability to perform and your ability to perform will affect your ability to progress whether you're trying to get stronger whether you're trying to build muscle whether you're trying to um, lose fat like your ability to perform will affect that okay so progressive overload what is it what is progressive overload so I looked it up just so I could have the definitive definition I'm going to read it to you guys. Progressive overload is the gradual increase of stress placed upon the body during exercise training. Okay? So it is the gradual increase of stress placed upon the body during exercise training. And progressive overload is kind of like the overlying concept or principle that determines how much progress someone makes like at the end of the day this is it you get better by introducing more demand on your body so that it and then you adapt and rebuild through your ability to sleep and eat and manage your stress and you come back stronger and then you're able to do more next time right that's the principle of progressive overload and so common common why you want this is like people their goal is to become stronger most of our goal is to our goals is to become stronger uh, possibly build more muscle maybe lose a bit fat a bit of fat so progressive overload is the key to all this like when we're looking at training programs when we're looking at, just in general, when we're looking at putting training programs together, like this is it. So let me explain, progressive overload. The most common way is to increase how much weight you're doing, right? But that's not the only way. And again, this can apply for lifting, it can apply for running, for swimming, like how much more can you do and again it doesn't always have to be about weight and it shouldn't really always be about weight because logically I think everyone knows that you can't just keep adding 10 pounds to your squat every single month for the next five years because that's 120 pounds a year 600 pounds in five years like if I'm squatting 135 now oh yeah if I put on 10 pounds every month I'll be at 635 in five years, no problem. But that's not how it works, and that's not how it should work. Okay, so weight, increasing your weight that you're lifting is a common way to introduce progressive overload. But other ways are, are increasing reps. How many more reps can you do with a certain weight? How many more sets can you do? So how much more volume? Uh, maybe also... So if I'm increasing weight, okay, last week I did 135 for 5. This week I'm going to do 145 for 5. Boom, progressive overload. You're getting stronger in... It's, it's basically incremental gains. It's very a very slow process. 
this is why everyone always says the gym is a long game it's for life because after the first year or two after you get that period of noob gains like you get super fast gains in the first year or two things start to slow down which is fine it's part of the process so you can increase weight I did 10 pounds more than last week you can increase your reps okay say I did 135 for five last week I'm gonna do 135 for seven this week again at the start it's very easy to do that once you hit your like your baseline strength then you have to be a little more strategic about it which is where proper programming comes in and then if you increase sets okay last week I did 135 for five this week I'm gonna do 135 for five for two sets even if I did 135 for five and then I did 135 for three today so last week I only did five reps with a certain weight. This week I did five reps and an additional set of three reps. Boom, progressive overload. So as you can see, there's many ways to go about it. There's not like one best way. It's really just about tinkering with the numbers, playing around with it, being patient, seeing that in the long term. I know it can kind of be discouraging sometimes when you're like, when you're trying to add that five or 10 pounds. And it, at a certain point, it really just doesn't happen anymore. I think like the strongest people in the world, I think they're happy if they add like 10 pounds to their squat for in the year, in the year, think about it. That's less than a pound a month. But when you get to a certain level of strength, that's just the reality of the situation. Okay, so another way to, to uh, progressive overload is doing the same amount of work in less time. So say you do, say you time yourself, you do 135 for five, you do that for five sets. And that first week you did it for 15, you did it in 15 minutes. That second week, if you're able to do it in 14 and a half minutes, boom, you got better. So at the end of the day, it's about like, what are you doing to get better in an incremental fashion? Um, runners, if you're a runner, okay, I ran a mile in X amount of time. Next time, I'm either going to try to run longer. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to run a longer distance in the same amount of time, or I'm gonna run the same distance, but in less time, right? So it's, it's very simple, but you know what it is? I think it's like, it's fucking boring. It's really not flashy, really unglamorous. just like a lot of things that surround the whole health and fitness thing. Like when it comes down to it, the basic principles are very boring, unglamorous, like put your head down and just stick with it, do the right things and just stick with it for the long run okay so <clears throat> i hope that kind of explained progressive overload um again it doesn't always have to be about increasing the weight i find that's kind of common with beginners because at the start as i said it's fucking easy to put weight on the bar when you're just starting out but once you reach a level of strength it just doesn't happen like that anymore
I think another important thing is to acknowledge that you cannot progress on everything all the time at the same time. It's just not possible. Unless unless there's only one exception. Well, there might be a couple, but there's one that sticks out in my mind. If you're using performance-enhancing drugs, which I have nothing against, it's great. More on that on another day. But if you're using performance-enhancing drugs, yes, it might be possible to progress. It is possible to progress um, more at a steadier rate than someone who is not using performance-enhancing drugs. So that's one case because performance-enhancing drugs allows you to recover faster so your fatigue stays low, your fitness stays high. Boom, keep making gains. That's the real gain train. But anyway, so I think something really important to acknowledge, and I think it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, is that you cannot progress on every single thing you want to progress on every single day every single workout like this is it's common I used to do this too sometimes I still catch myself doing it okay I want my squat to go up I want my bench to go up I want my deadlift to go up I want to get leaner I want to get faster as well like dude we're only human unless you're a full-time athlete who can spend the whole day training uh, who can spend the whole day eating well, taking a nap, getting a full nine hours sleep. Like, those are perfect conditions. Most of us don't operate in perfect conditions like that. Most of us don't even op- operate in, like, optimal um, conditions. Some We might have gotten six hours of sleep last night. We might have had three pizzas over the weekend. That wasn't me this weekend, but the other weekend it was Um, most of us don't have two hours a day to train and get it all in so as mortal humans we kind of have to acknowledge that and we have to approach it from a smarter and more patient way okay that's great that you I want that's great that you want your squat bench deadlift to go up all three of them at the same time it's great that you want to get leaner too and get faster But okay, for the next three or four months, let's pick one or two of those goals. So let's focus on the squat and bench, okay? We'll focus on the squat and bench. Your deadlift's not going to go down. It might not go up, but it's not going to go down. So we're still going to work that. You're not going to get slower because we're going to keep running, if that's your thing. But we're going to focus the majority of our efforts on the squat and bench and let's let these numbers go up for the next four months and after those four months we can retool we can reconfigure we can rebalance where your priorities maybe they've changed maybe they've stayed the same okay and then the next four months let's focus okay let's put the squat and bench on the back burner a little again it's not going to go down but it's not going to go up either which is fine now let's focus maybe you're interested in doing your deadlift now or maybe you're interested in um, cutting 20 pounds of fat, okay? Because cutting 20 pounds of fat will affect your ability to squat or bench or deadlift. It might, but that might be conducive to uh, helping you run faster. 
So you really just, I think defining the goal is very important. Something I've been doing a little bit more with myself. Just like everyone wants to get stronger. Everyone wants to be healthy. Like everyone wants that. But let's let's really define a goal so then we can really dive deep into it. Like do you want to grow your quads or do you want to grow like your biceps and triceps? Or are you more interested in growing your glutes? Like what's the, like let's let's really define the goal. So that's something I'm always asking my clients because I think when you have broad general goals, which is great, it's like, it's fine. I do think it's fine. But at a certain level, if you're like, if you're that high performer in life and you like, you really thrive off of setting goals and achieving those goals. I think it's important, especially with like what I said earlier with the health and fitness game. There's just so many ways, so many things you can work on. And sometimes I think when the goal is too general that the person may be disappointed. I feel like I've I've um, felt like this before. I've never vocalized it. But sometimes when the goal is too general and you're kind of just like shooting in all different directions yeah you're probably still getting better like it's always better than doing nothing but maybe because the goal is so general that like there's almost no like feeling of a finish line I've definitely felt like this before now that I'm talking about it like yeah I just want to get stronger and you do get stronger no doubt big lifts go up you get stronger but maybe because there wasn't a definitive like I want to be this strong or I want to bring this lift to this amount or I want my bicep to measure 17 inches versus 16 inches so I think defining the goal is very important and while I was saying that I was thinking of okay progressive overload another thing and this kind of comes back to defining your goal there are lifts that there are things where again depend on your goal there are things that you're doing in the gym that how shall I say okay from a coaching standpoint say a person comes to me and this is actually happening right now a beginner lifter came to me he wants to get stronger like he's never lifted a single weight So it's fine that his goal is like a general get stronger goal. That's fine because he's a very, he's like starting from scratch. But as the years progress, as you get deeper into the game, I think you have to be more specific and so that you can actually aim at those targets as opposed to just shooting everywhere. Right? So, so he's come to me and we're doing some basic strength work like what I would give I kind of mentioned this I mentioned this on last week's podcast what we've been doing squatting um, Romanian deadlift trap bar deadlift push-ups TRX rows dumbbell bench farmer carries right really basic stuff but when I look at his program when I look at anyone's program and when I'm putting together someone's program there are lifts exercises that I care more about than others 
not saying that the other ones aren't important because they are that's why they're in there but there are indicator lifts of whether someone is actually getting better or not so for me I use the goblet squat or the barbell back squat as a good indicator lift I use the trap bar deadlift as a good indicator lift I use the push-ups and chin-ups as indicator lifts they're big lifts big compound movements training multiple joints at the same time multiple muscle areas at the same time big bang for your buck movements and those lifts I care more about like if someone comes in and they trap bar deadlift 135 for five next week they come in they trap bar deadlift 145 for five beautiful you're getting better and they're not compromising technique technique spot on bar speed is there confidence is there boom you're getting better definitively you are if so if he same person came in they did 135 last week and and they couldn't even lift it for one this week then i'm alarmed i'm like what's going on did you just rave for seven days straight what do you do like what's going on in your life maybe something happened in their family maybe their dog died maybe had they haven't eaten in three days because they're doing like 72 hour fast so those are the lifts i'm concerned about those are the ones i'm keeping my eyes on the big indicator lifts and again you'll have to decide which what those are for you for me personally right now my indicator lifts because i'm doing all the kettlebell stuff my turkish getup my kettlebell swing my snatch my clean and press those are kind of like how do they feel today versus last week versus three weeks ago how much what am i doing this week versus what i was doing three weeks ago that's what i'm keeping my eye on then there are smaller lifts again not that they're not important but i'm not really concerned about like okay can this person rear glute kick back more than they did last week? Whatever, that that move is just in there for fun. It's fun, you enjoy doing it, you feel good about doing it, you get a glute pump, boom, that's great. But I'm more concerned about, okay, is this person's squat actually moving? Or is this person's um, deadlift moving? Again, you'll have to decide based on your goals what your indicator lifts are maybe you don't really care about strength but you care about health and you care about um, the ability to do to do the movement okay that's great I'm still gonna keep an eye out on the big lifts as in okay I'm gonna get this person to squat 95 pounds for five sets of 10 next week we'll do six sets of 10 so even if the person is not like super focused on specific numbers as a coach you you gotta keep I gotta keep an eye out on certain things within the program and it's like okay are we moving the needle forward or are we not moving at all or are we even moving backwards what's going on here like what what are we really trying to do here so at the end of the day in terms of how how do you know you're progressing this is why a training log comes into play. 
This is why proper programming comes into play. This is why your ability to hone in on certain goals and what's going to help you achieve those goals, that's why that's important as well. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's really like, okay, is this person getting better? Maybe they're doing the same weight, but they're doing it with a lot more confidence and their technique is a lot better now. So we're still improving. So there's many ways to judge how you're progressing. Um, the main one will be like some kind of progressive overload though. But the, I think um, this is something I wanted to touch on before I close this out. I think all the things I've been talking about are quantitative methods of progressive overload. But I think there are qualitative um, factors as well. Are you feeling better? Do you have more energy during the day? Do you Can you climb those set of stairs easier? Can you play with your kids um, without like without uh, having to take a break because you ran out you're out of breath? Can you run with your dog, etc, etc. So there are qualitative methods as well. But those are those are important. They are important, but I think um, the quantitative ones really show you on paper, objective, okay, you're getting better. Objectively, definitively, you're getting better. Versus qualitative ones, again, I don't want to downplay the importance because I'm all about being aware of how you feel, knowing when you feel good, knowing when you don't feel good, and knowing what affects that feeling. So qualitative and quantitative indicators for how you're getting better. That's also something to keep in mind. And I think that's really it. Um, I hope I hope that helped. I hope that was helpful for you guys. I hope I did justice on progressive overload, why soreness is not really the goal, and why the CNS is important and why it's important to know about these things because again I I found like and the more I know this because I've experienced it I've been lifting for eight plus years at this point but as a coach I'm about three and a half years in so now I'm really seeing the fact that okay first year or two people can get away with murder and they will get better no doubt but after that, after that initial period, it really comes down to, okay, are you, are you being smart about everything you're doing? How are you doing these things versus just like going in there, beast mode, gains with a Z and just like kill yourself every single time. At a certain point, you just, you can't do that as frequently and as often unless two things, you're a genetic freak or you're on PEDs, right? So let me close it out right there. Again, I hope that was helpful. That was a bit longer than I wanted it to be, but I think I got some quality information out there. And if you guys have any, always, if you guys have any follow-up questions, if you guys want me to clarify anything, if you don't agree about anything, please let me know. Message me on Instagram at theodore.lim or you can email me 
theolim7 at gmail.com. Alright, so with that being said, hope you guys have a great week. Hope you guys are out there crushing your goals, getting shit done, and having fun while you do it. So until next time, peace.